Even when you feel low, you can still go Even when you feel slow, you can still go Even when there's no hope, you can still go I never answered a no, man, I still go Go, go Throwbacks, a sports life podcast brought to you by Defiant International, Bannister Miller Law Firm, the 60 Feet by Six Foundation, and Felton Skills Academy. What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Throwbacks, a sports life podcast. I am your co-host and MC, if you will. I guess, kind of, maybe, you there know, you Rufino Vargas. <laughs> I am here alongside fellow co-host and 14-year MLB veteran, Derek Dutch Hovenal. That's right. And as the great Forrest Gump once said, life is like a box of chocolates. You'll never know what you're going to get. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. We're also here alongside our host and the main man, Mr. Raymond Bossman Felton. How you doing, guys? And I love chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> So in life, I think all of us have experienced adversity. We have all had uh, that moment where we've had to try to battle through tough times as well as battle through even uh, experience good times, right? And, and knowing when to kind of keep going. And um, I think the big thing for me uh, and that I've always taught and I've kind of mentored some people as well as also worked with some of my employees by telling them that anything in life worth doing is worth doing right now. So for me, I want to know from both of y'all, what was that moment? What was that moment where you were saying, you know, you know, playing ball, right? Because like you played basketball, you played baseball, you played many sports. When was that moment where you're like, you know what, playing, playing ball, th this is worth doing. And then when did that moment come for you and you as well that you said, it's, it's worth doing right now. I'm going to go for it. For me, I, <clears throat> sorry, th this is an exciting thing. I want to hear personally just because yeah one i get to be next to him he is somebody like we've talked before off the show is somebody i've looked up to he's a veteran guy i'm going to respect him i also want to hear how his story started how did this come about how did you realize basketball was the sport for you because i know mine obviously because of baseball playing it and everything and also playing every sport now i get to hear somebody else's story yeah. so to me this is exciting from another standpoint <laughs> as the baseball yeah like player. from an alternate perspective so right? i get to yeah. hear another another legacy being built <laughs> <laughs> Listen to this guy. This, this guy is a legend. But man, for me, I think just, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, you know, nowadays you got all these kids, man, they got social media, they got cell phones, they got all this stuff early on, and we didn't have that growing up. So all I knew is to go outside and just play. So we would play everything. We'd play tag football or taco football. <laughs> yeah. You know, we go out there and play baseball with one another, uh, play basketball all the time. We have races. You know, we did everything. So as a kid growing up, I played every sport. You know, I was better at baseball than I was at basketball. Which I don't think many people even know about you. No, they, right? they don't. They don't. And um, it was my more natural sport. You know, I was a pitcher. I played shortstop. 
Um, I can hit it, you know, a ton. <laughs> um, it was just. Were just, you a switch hitter like Derek was? I actually could bat both ways. Oh. Yeah. I See, really that's could. one thing I didn't know about you either, which apparently you were a switch hitter. <laughs> Google's a great thing. It, it is an amazing <laughs> thing. Wikipedia, but, actually. But that's. <laughs> so um, it, 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 took, it took for me to get into high school, man, and I, and I play, was playing quarterback. And um, I got hit a few times. And it was like, okay, you know, um, this, this maybe this is something that, you know, Raymond don't want to do. Maybe <laughs> yeah. something that, yeah. You know, I don't want to keep keep getting hit like this, but um, I still loved it. You know, I was doing it with my friends, but then when baseball came around, basketball season is in between that, and I got AAU basketball, I got travel basketball, so now I got to miss baseball games. Yeah. So I had to miss a big game to either play AEU on Friday or play this baseball game on Friday night and then leave, but I'm gonna be late for the tournament. I chose AEU, came back. My baseball coach, you know, basically told me I lost my position because I, I, I left and chose basketball. So at that moment, I think that was, that was a wake up call for me to what do I love? I love basketball. I'm gonna play basketball during football season. I'm gonna play basketball during baseball season. But one thing I ain't gonna do is play any other sport doing basketball. That's what my passion was. That's what I loved. And I just went all out for it at, after that point. You know, after my sophomore season, I shut down football, I shut down baseball, and I just went all in. You know, at that moment, it was just like, okay, let me put all my marbles into basketball. Let me put all my training, my time, and my commitment into this sport. And let's see what happens. And the rest is history. The rest is history. And, 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 and if I remember correctly, you were the number one rated high school player yep. coming out. Uh, you went to North Carolina mm -hmm. um, and you won a national championship. Uh, Dean Smith, correct? No, no. Roy Williams. Roy, so Roy you Williams. Play with Roy. So yeah. hold on, I'm curious about this sure. too, growing up, because I'm gonna, once I tell like my side, I'm curious too is, did you ever send out tapes and stuff like that? Or do like, I know for baseball, I went to some camps and then I would send out tapes to, it was either to colleges or to uh, uh, MLB scouts and stuff like that. Did you do that as well with basketball side of things? No, I never did. The only thing I really did was I got an opportunity to go to um, Nike camp. I got an opportunity to go to ABCD, which was a uh, big time Adidas camp back then. And I got a chance to play against the best players from all around the United States. You know, you had the top. I've, I've seen Tyson Chandler when he was seven foot, still in high school. You know, oh you know I've monster. seen Eddie Curry when he was, you know, these guys, I used to watch them on Fox Sports. You know, they had specials about Tyson Chandler when he was in high school. They had specials about Eddie Curry when he was in high school. So to go to a camp from a little small town South Carolina kid to see these guys, you know, it wasn't intimidating, but it was like, if I'm here and I can compete with these guys, these guys is on TV and I'm from a small town, they're from these big cities, Tyson from LA, you know, um, Eddie Curry from um, Chicago, you know, I feel like I got an opportunity, I got a chance. So I took advantage of that opportunity in that moment to make a name for myself. Then I AAU team, you know, a guy named John Rose, may he, met, may he rest in peace. Um, he started up a, a AAU program called Beach Ball Select out of Myrtle Beach. And we started to travel. And so we got a chance to go play against these guys as a whole with a team and against their team. And I just got a chance to just dominate, man. I got a chance to just show my talent. And I went against uh, some of the best, you know, point guards in the world at that time. And, you know, I, I won those battles. So, you know, it was just one of those opportunities where, you know, instead of me sending film to colleges, 
I took advantage of those moments where, you know, I played against these guys who's ranked so high in the world and just went at them. So now these college coaches are looking for me. Now they started coming down to little old ladder, South Carolina. I had, I got a fun story. Matt Darty came to my school and he walked. He, that, that was who coached. He coached me my freshman year. And of course, you know, if people know the story, he got fired. And Coach Will Williams came in from, yeah. from Kansas my sophomore and my junior year. But Matt Darty is the guy who actually recruited me and got me to Carolina, offered me the scholarship. He walked me from my high school through my whole town all the way to my house. I would never forget that. Latta, little old Latta, South Carolina. Latta, South Carolina. There you go. Nice. And so then, so when you were at North Carolina, what was that moment that you were like, "Oh yeah, I can do this. Like I, I can literally go to the NBA and I can make this happen." Well, I had that moment in high school, man. You know, coming out of high school, it was a lot of hype. You know, and I was the number one player in the country. And um, I actually got offers to, to from agents to go to the draft, and my mom said no. Mom, was so this was at a time when you could go from high, high school. school. Yep. Okay. I could have went because you can't do that anymore, right? No, you okay. can't. Yeah. So, you know, Amari Stoudemire was the only one in our class that went straight out of high school. Me and oh, Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> me and Carmelo Anthony went to college. He went did one year wow, at Syracuse. Yeah. Went one year at Syracuse, and um, he. Won a national title. That's right. Got out of there, got drafted the next year. Um, I went, you know, three more years. I went two more years. So I went three years all the way through my junior year. And then we won a national title. And then I left and was the, number, the, the fifth pick overall in the first round. Yeah. Well, um, I, I think everybody kind of has that singular moment. Can you draw from any singular moment that pushed you to be and have that career that you had? My biggest thing, my biggest thing, man, was the, 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 the one thing that made me want to, like, make it, the one thing that really made, that made me want to make it was seeing, you know, my mom work so hard every day and seeing my dad work in a plant. Sure. That was like 150 degrees. Wow. You know, I walked in this plant, man, and it was just so hot. And I was just coming in to visit him from college. And even through high school, I never knew how hot it was in this plant because I never walked in there. But I came home from college in my freshman year and I came home to see him and I was driving back to Carolina. And it was just so hot in this place, man. So just to see my daddy, man, just the way he worked and sacrificed and did the things he did for us, for me and my sisters. And, and just, just having him in, in that place, man, it was like, I got to get my dad out of here, man. So I really went back after my after my freshman year at Carolina and just just work, just work, just work, just work, just continue to get better and just fighting for that moment to hopefully, you know, be able to, you know, get drafted. You know, that's what it was all about, you know, seeing my dad and my mom, yeah. you know, just still working so hard at that moment. And, I, and I'm sitting here with, a, with an opportunity and a platform to better and change our lives. So, you know, I just took advantage of that. Yeah, I think that's interesting because I think everybody can, anybody that's achieved anything on a <clears throat> professional level, uh, on a high professional level, even right. even in the corporate world, right? You know, we all have those moments that have motivated us to say like, you know, I'm I'm going to achieve, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, as you said, right, you know, you, you go to the plant and 
you see your dad like literally killing himself to give you that better life, give you that something more. Man. You know what I mean? And, and I remember like it was yesterday. Yeah. I remember you like can feel it, it almost even. No question. Yeah. No question. Yeah. So do you tell us what was your moment? Yeah. Well, what, what, <laughs> man, so I, mine was a little bit different. Like I, uh, you know, I, I started out playing every sport just like everybody else. Um, I realized football wasn't it for me. I did this kind of same thing as you as a quarterback. And I just remember the first practice I went to, I got drilled by one of my buddies because I was trying to do quarterback and cornerback. Mm -hmm. And I got pops. So I was like, okay, that's I'm good on that. And then I went to try to play football as a quarterback. And I was like, yeah, this just ain't me. So I quit. Next year, I did it again. Same thing. Went out, tried to play quarterback. I was like, I think I can get through this. Didn't even get hit. Nothing like that. Just... All right, I'm and done. And this is high school, right? Yeah, this is high school. High school, all right. I quit that, so I was like, all right, forget it. Then I went to basketball. I played basketball, like, all my life. My dad wanted me to play basketball more than anything. His favorite player, Pistol Pete Maravich, he wanted me to be the next Pistol Pete. Nice. <laughs> Trying everything. Let's like, go. Whatever Pistol Pete did, we were going to try to do that, too. You yeah. got it? No. <laughs> I can, I'm going to be honest. I'm probably the only athlete that will tell you the truth. I, I can shoot. I can dribble but yeah. with my left hand okay. you'd make me go right i'm i'm done <laughs> so i stopped i kind of gave up on that too and then i always played uh baseball and then my dad as an outfielder was like everybody pitches so i can't really say that was my main thing main thing for me was uh hitting and uh, i was an outfielder and my dad was like if we want to go somewhere we gotta we gotta make you a switch hitter it was weird i was left-handed but i batted right originally and Ended up becoming a switch hitter. My dad got me to do that. And this is what's crazy. I'll never forget this, but it motivated me even even more. I went out there. I hit a game-winning uh, single. Next game, uh, basically a game-winning grand slam. Next game after that, another game-winning single. Sat the bench the next day. Oh, my God. And my dad's like, I don't get that. And yeah. My dad was great about it. Never stepped over the line like, hey, you need to play my son. Like, none of that stuff. And, you know, we wanted to give somebody the other opportunity. And then, of course, I came in to pinch hit that last at bat and just struck out looking. And so I, I realized there it was like, all right, you got to put the work in. If you you can't just let it because of one game slow you down because you lost your spot for that day. So I used that motivation. And then the real motivation hit. And my dad still has it to this day. This is this is what's cool. Like hearing you talk about your father, too. And like my dad held on to everything, like always pushed me and my brother one of the best for us, did everything we could. They had a family-owned business. It was an electrician. They didn't want us to do that. They want us to achieve our own goals. Go do what you want to do in life. It's cool. It's family business, but you do your thing. So I'm at school, at high school, and I'm walking through the hall. You know, those Army recruits are always in there. And uh, he stopped me. And I'll, to this day, I'll, I'll never forget this. He's like, what are you going to do with your life? And I, being me, and that's why I, I love that you want to be motivational too. That's why I want to encourage everybody go after your goals. No matter what anybody tells sure. you, go after them. Yeah. And uh, the guy told me, what are you going to do with your life? And I said, well, I'm going to be a professional baseball player. And the guy looked at that, me. That was the moment. That was, that was me taking everything in right there Dang and realizing nice. like, that's what I want. And that's nice. what I'm going to do. And I told him that. And then he goes, well, you know, the chances of you making it to the big leagues are one out of a million or something. He gave me some weird number. Sure. I said, yeah, I like my chances. Because <laughs> it's just how I am. Like the more you know me, you'll see that mm -hmm. that's just how I am. I was like, sure. I like my chances. And he's like, well, you're not going to make it, son. You should think about joining the Army. So that hit me right away. I was like, okay, I appreciate your time. Thank you. And I walked off. The other thing I do want to add is every class that I was in, I signed my name. I didn't print. I signed it. And I had my, my Spanish teacher. I ran into her when I went back home. She had one of my papers. She goes, I never got rid of this. And I remember you saying, when she would always yell at me, you know, sign your name, or I mean, print your name. I'd always sign it. And I told her I was practicing for 
when I get to the big leagues. I want to sign my autograph. Go, go. And she she loved that. She held on to it, which was super cool. Senora Brown, shout out to her. Let's go. Um, <laughs> and so when I came home, I wrote down on a piece of cardboard, Army says you can't. Now, this is no shot towards our military because I'm very sure. passionate about our military. My dad took that cardboard thing and I had it downstairs. My dad had his own little gym. You know, all dads have their own little of setup course. of weights and whatever. And I'd go down there and work out and stuff, but I always had that there and I'd use that as motivation to get me through that next gear. And one day I was playing in summer ball and the Tampa, or sorry, high school ball and the Tampa Bay Ray, Devil Rays at the time showed up to a game and they came to basically watch me. Uh, and it was all because of, which that's why I was asking about video, is I did this thing called the Puma Preseason All-American Camp. I was not an All-American by any means, nowhere near that, but I got invited from Baseball Factory, which is a place that you go out there, throw for them, they send your videos out to scouts and colleges and all that stuff. So that's why I was curious if you guys did that. And uh, so they show up and I have an unbelievable game. I'm on the mound doing everything. I feel like I'm gonna get drafted, whatever. Goes by, they ask me, you know, what's my, my grades look like? And this is where I really push this on kids every time I do a camp. My grades were not the greatest. Yeah. I think I was, uh, I think I had like a 2.5 maybe, uh, somewhere around there, which is literally just enough to go on and play college ball if you go out. Sure. And so I really screwed up. So I always encourage kids, please focus, do everything you're supposed to do. Like when your parents tell you, hit the books and everything, actually I should, when the parents tell you to do stuff like that, <laughs> listen to them because they, they do it for a reason. They know what they're talking about. Yes. Um, but that kind of screwed everything up. Didn't get drafted. I went down to, as I call it, 13th grade, junior college down in Alabama, <laughs> Wallace State. And uh, yeah, Coach Butman, I love you, Coach <laughs> Davis. Um, and one, I found God. Two, turned my whole life around when I got down there and just changed everything. School-wise, I realized how important it was. I learned a lot, man. I, we were praying before practices and stuff. I've never done any of that. And like, it, it took a lot to get me going, but man, my whole life just went 180 real quick. And I was now dialed in. I became a top five candidate in almost every category when it came to pitching. Wow. I was trying to actually, as a Michigan fan, this is crazy to say this, but I tried from to come Ohio. back. Yeah, from <laughs> Ohio. I tried to come back and play at Ohio State, but I they wouldn't recruit me because they don't recruit junior college players. Coach Bob Todd. Uh, Wait, so did, did that create the disdain? That, for Ohio? No, I've already hated him to begin with, <laughs> okay. but I, that added okay, it. And okay. I, I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't an, an ass about it. Like, sure. you know, it's okay, cool. I Obviously, I would have loved to have gone to Michigan, but it was so much farther north that it'd be just like where I am now. I'm not going to see my family. I was eight hours south. You know, I'd be up there. I wouldn't get to see him as much except for, you know, Ohio State games. And so I ended up uh, getting a full ride to go to Arizona State and... Then next thing you know, we go to Juco World Series. And I had, through the game of my life, through a complete game against Yavapai in the College World Series, um, gave up several runs, whatever, but I, I was just, I was lights out. I was yeah. doing great. You dealing. And next thing I know, I, I've never experienced this. I had four different teams come up and talk to me. I had Texas, Boston, Atlanta, and I think it was, I want to say it was uh, Chicago something like that so that was your moment then that was that's, your moment where you're like oh i can do this yeah that's well that's so from there once that hit me yeah. i was like yeah we're going we're gonna Let's do exactly go, what bro. we said we're going <laughs> to get drafted We're because now i could actually like i felt the presence of tampa sure when they came to see me in high school and i started to get a little big-headed i didn't change you know i'm still the same person i was back then everybody will tell you that but i started to think like okay maybe i got this and then once it didn't happen 
it, I had that second thought, like, man, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not cut out. And then once I went to school down south, and what really helped me was not being around my parents, not being like, I had to do things on my own. Like now mm -hmm. it becomes, yeah. you go do it. It's no more like, hey, get out there and go do that uh, or whatever. Like I'm going to whoop your butt. Like, no, it, now it's like, if you don't do it, you go back home. Yeah. There is no You have more. to learn to motivate yourself at that point, right? right? It's a self-drive and it's, 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 it all comes from within. And that's why like my mindset was, I'm going to be a big leaguer. And I kept that the whole time. And that sign was the big thing is somebody told me I couldn't do it. So I set the bar to where I'm going to do it. You can tell me I can't, and I'm going to show you that I can. And that's what I ended up doing. What was the biggest moment for both of y'all of adversity that you went through in college that like really shaped your professional career? I want to leave this off because I, I got a great story for it. Sure. Um, I was pitching in South Alabama. I were playing against South Alabama Division One school. Just getting a little it's fall you can't play a true division one school in regular season and i remember being out there for the showcase it's us and you know three other teams and i get out there and i'm literally like guiding the ball like i'm not throwing it and <laughs> yeah it was like <laughs> like just let it just flow like not even trying and i'll never forget and this was the moment that really it's where i realized like you either sack up and go or you can just pack your bag and go home and my coach came out coach putman uh <laughs> if anybody was in the stands i promise you they heard everything that was said i've never been mf'd more than my in my entire life than that day and i mean he made me feel like i was like nobody like just put me in my place because like you come into it and you feel like you're great you're the best thing that's out there like as i put it you're the hottest thing since sliced bread like you feel good and I'm not doing anything. I'm getting, as I would put it, I'm getting my tits lit. I'm not doing good. Like I'm struggling. And it's like, you start to feel like, man, maybe I'm not cut out for it. And then he ripped into me. I'm not kidding from then on. That's when I told you, like all my numbers went through the roof. And that's where I started really believing in myself and trusting that, man, I got this. I can do this. Yeah, because I think everybody goes through that moment. I think you have to kind of go through that moment. You've got to hit a low. The elite level of yourself, right? Yeah. You you need a wake up call when you get high. That's right. You, you gotta be humbled, cocky. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. So, yeah. and I think my moment in college was uh, what Coach Williams told me. Um, at this point right now, you will be a late first round, maybe maybe late first round, second round pick if you was to leave the draft, if you was to leave to go to the NBA after my sophomore year. So, and we had a. Uh, a heart to heart. We talked to each other. Um, he told me what he expected from me. He told me that, you know, I can't shoot it as well. You know, you need to change your shot. Your shot is not that good. You need to, you need to work on that. You need to work on your defense, you know? And I'm like, man, I can score the ball. Yeah. What are you talking about? Man? Yeah, I was going to say, cause I you play, were really good. You were yeah, really good. Yeah. You know, I, I play, I play good defense. Like, what is he talking about? You know? So, so I'm listening to him. So I said, so coach, what you need from me? What, what do I need to do? I said, obviously, my goal is to play as high as I can at this, at this sport. I love basketball, what I need to do, what I have to do. So in that moment, when somebody tells you, when everybody else around you is telling you you're great, when you feel like you're great, but then somebody humbles you and say, you ain't did nothing yet, son. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, I mean, and some of those, and some of these kids now, these nowadays, with me, with me coaching these days, you know, I, I have to really let these kids know, like, you ain't did nothing right now. You playing AAU basketball as a seventh grader last year, and now I'm coaching eighth grade. You know, you ain't did nothing yet. You still in middle school. You yeah, and it's in high school. And it's a different world now, right? Because you got Ooh. social media. You have all these external influences that like kind of create almost like this these little megalomaniacs in times, you know so what I mean? Fake, like so fake narrative. Yeah, exactly. Kids. Of course. Yes, you know exactly. Like back when we was playing, if you had a highlight tape, you was cold. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were. If you had a highlight tape, yeah, you can ball. Good. Like you, yeah. whatever sport it was, whether it was football, baseball, basketball, whatever, like you was cold. Now everybody has a highlight tape. Sure. Everybody got, you know, a video out on their Instagram that DID killing. And it's like, well, what about the other positions when you was kicking the ball off your feet or, you know, when you missed the pass, you know, or somebody struck you out or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, where was those things that, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, so when Coach Williams really drilled into me like that, I didn't go home that whole summer. I didn't go see my parents. I didn't go do nothing. I stayed at Carolina and Shaman Williams, my OG, he played at Carolina. He played in the NBA. Yep. Shaman Williams was there and he took me under his wing. I wouldn't let nobody guard him the whole summer. He worked with me with my jump shot. You know what I'm saying? Like Coach Williams told me I was shooting in my face. I had to turn my shot for out of my face. He told me that would help with my percentage. That would get me, that would make my shot better. You know? <laughs> so, you know, you're all right. So then, then Shaman, you know, he just, just every day, like he put me on the schedule. We got up every day at a certain time. We did conditioning, we did weight room, and we worked, we worked, we worked. And I wouldn't let nobody guard him. So this is an NBA player coming in the gym. Sure. Every day he's playing pickup with us. We play one-on-one. I'm guarding him the whole summer. Like just, if I feel like if I can stay in front of him, I can guard him, I can guard these guys in college. So that was my mindset. Like sure. I didn't want nobody else to guard him. So I didn't take it negative of what he said, but it was like, well, dang. Like I went back to my dorm room like, dang, like I thought I was on my way. You know, I was a All-American coming into that season. You know, as a sophomore, after my freshman year, I'm on, I'm on cloud nine, like I'm, I'm that guy. Coach Warren probably ran on back down. Did you think that that was one of the good things about playing for such a legendary coach like Coach Williams? Yeah, he you coached know? everybody. He coached Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know, he was an assistant coach. A lot of people may not know that. He was an assistant coach with Coach Dean Smith, with Michael Jordan, with James Worthy, with all those legends, you know? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Kendrick um, um, Perkins, like just so many guys. And so to hear the people that he coached, Paul Pierce in college, you know, just, you know, list can go Some on. Names, yeah, so right? many guys like that name I can drop, name, you know? you know, but like, it's, it's cool just yeah. one of those things where like, I didn't take it negative to what he said. And to give you both another story, like in the NBA, I got another wake up call. I'm in the league now. Sure. I'm in the NBA. You sure. can't tell me nothing. I'm making yeah. money playing this. I'm at the highest, at the highest peak of my career, you know, and coach Larry Brown told me, I almost had a triple double, bro. I had like twenty some points. I had like eleven assists, and I had like nine, like nine rebounds. I was like one rebound away from a, from a triple double. We won the game, everything. That man looked me in my face at after the game and said, "Son, you don't know how to play the point yet." <laughs> we were like, "What?" And it bothered me all night. I couldn't sleep. 
I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do none of that. It bothered me. I yeah, because what do you say early. to Larry Brown, right? You know what I mean? Like, exactly. He's, he's like, a I love himself. him. He's yeah, a legend. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 I looked dope to him because he, he went to Carolina too. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it was like, this is this is a guy that I love. I got love for. Like, I love him to this day. Like, and I went in his lock. I went in his office that next morning before practice. I said, Coach, man, I couldn't sleep last night. He's like, what's wrong, son? I said, man, you remember what you said to me last night? He said, no, I don't. What, what did I say to you? He said, and I'm like, you told me I ain't know how to play the point. And I said, Coach, I almost had a triple-double last night, and we won. <laughs> oh, my God. And he said, Coach, he said, son, I'm just trying to motivate you. He said, I'm just trying to get the best out of you. He said, I love you, son. He said, I, I, don't take that personal. And I was like, all right, Coach. I said, you're right. You're right. I got you. And from that point on, like, when he yelled at me, when he did anything, it's just like, all right, he's just trying to, he trying to motivate me to, at this moment. But that's what these kids nowadays don't get. Sure. You yell at them now, they shut down. Of that's course. what I wanted to add, they too. It's like, I'm curious. Is one, you kind of explained how you handled the dealing with the, the negativity, I guess you could put it. Mm-hmm. And kids today, they, like, I mean, I'm, you're dealing with it more than I am. So I'm assuming, like, you say something to them, man, they can break down and start crying. <laughs> and, like, it's like they don't understand that you're doing it to help them. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I'm, I remember learning this from my dad just in general is, oh, you know it all. That was what my dad would always say. Like, oh, you, you know it all. We'll leave you alone. You know what's going on. You live this. But that, that's something that I think kids don't understand is you're here trying to teach. What was the big thing that hit you to where you realize like, okay, he's not trying to like make me worse. He's trying to help me. Like, what was it that stood out to you when it came to that? Whether it was college, NBA, high school, whatever it was, what's something that like stood out? You're like, man, because you always think like you just said it just a second ago. And that's why I ended up like sitting here moving my hand, trying to figure out how I shot. Mm -hmm. Like you were, you, you literally said, man, I shoot good from, you know, however, but he told me my shot is off. Like it's hard to try new things, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. It's hard to try new things, but I think the, the, the biggest thing is I was never a person who, who couldn't take criticism who couldn't take somebody telling me that I had deficiencies. Yeah. Like you were coachable. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So I, I never really like took anything personal, but if I felt the way I was open about it, like, you know, I didn't take a person where I, I could be coached by him no more, but if I felt the way about it, I'm gonna go talk to him about it. And that's, that's the type of relationship that I have with all my coaches. I don't think there's no coach today that I can't pick up the phone and call and talk to just because we had that type of close knit relationship. Like we, we was, it was like father son relationship. Like I can talk to them about anything. They can talk to me about anything. We could be honest with each other. We had that relationship with me being the point guard. I was the second coach for him on the court. So we had to have that, we had to have that bond. And I think that, you know, just taking those moments when they was getting on me or like really just like getting into me, I feel like they cared about me. And I think think the kids need to start thinking about it like that. Like they care about me. I want to add that real quick too is, so in baseball, it's, we fail 70% of the time. Still batting three. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. That's still good. Like (laughs) that's something good. How would you look at that in a basketball, basketball perspective? Cause you kind of like, to me, we'd always get told you can't be afraid to fail. Cause like all a prime example is, I learned to ride back pitch. It's basically a two-seamer that starts on a right-hander's hip right. and comes back over the plate. Right. 
And first time I did it was against Evan Longoria, and he hit a home run. <laughs> and it's Shit. like immediately, like which, my Evan, which is, by the way, if people that don't know, Evan's like an amazing player. Oh, you know, real good. Yeah, so, he's, he's still playing actually. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. No kidding. But it's like to me, immediately, most people would be like, "Yep, not doing that again. Not throwing that. I'm done." <laughs> but like the thing that I learned, and thank God for Maddox, and I got to learn it from. I had some mentors too, like Maddox? which I got. I had Mike Maddox and Greg Maddox. Greg was my WBC team, so I got to represent the country. That was awesome. But we we can talk into that too. But the thing is, like he he told me, like, okay, so what? You gave up a home run. You still have to trust it. It's it's something that what kids don't understand. That's why, like, you know, I want to be pushing this to the kids is don't expect something to happen tomorrow or overnight, however you want to look at it. Mm -hmm. This stuff is a process. It's always told for me is trust the process right. like when i do my scouting report everything trust the pro- it's a process that's how i got here that's how i got to the big leagues it's mm-hmm. a process mm-hmm. so for basketball what would you say is something when it comes to like i, I was trying to put an example of you know the seven out of ten is failing mm-hmm. do you guys have the same approach when it comes to basketball we do but we don't i think with basketball they for now they think you know, missing shots is is a failure. You know, to me, I can go two for 12 from the field, not hitting no shots like that, you know, barely just struggling. But I can still impact the game by my defense. I can still impact the game by getting other guys easier shots. You know, I can impact the game by, you know, it's not my night. So maybe the backup point guard, he's going to come in the game. He's going to give the team the energy we needs, and I can be over there and I can cheer my team on. And, you know, like it's so many ways that you can be impactful without it being an individual thing. See, that's you know? huge. Like kids don't understand is even though you just said it too, I'm two for 10 tonight. I'm not making anything. Right. But you still made an impact on the game. You still got a W. Mm-hmm. You were a part of it. It takes what kids don't understand is, in basketball, it takes five guys. Well, it's, I mean, technically, you'd say you're how many's on a roster? 15. 15. So it's going to take 15 guys to win a game. Mm-hmm. So you're going to do the exact same thing. Like for me in baseball, it takes nine guys on the field mm-hmm. to win the game. Right. I may not have the best game. Like I've done it many times. I can't sit here and act like I'm Hall of Famer by any means because I'm not. But I've gone out there and given up 10 runs and still a team, my team comes back and wins. Like it's happened. Yeah. So the thing is, you can't. Like, that's why I try to teach, too, is don't get so caught up in results because you may not have had the best night, but you still made an impact that night right. and helped that team to get that W. 100%. It's a team thing. I'd like to sport. add on to that and say that, honestly, it's that's not, and to people that are watching, that's not even just exclusive to athletes. I think that's even any life. life. It's life. It's what you have to do in life because... There's never going to be a moment in your life where everything's going to be great and everything's going to go smooth. There's going to be times that are going to come and that you're going to have to like figure it out, you know, and then you and we talked about this in our pre-production meeting, right, which was um, having mentors in life. Right. You know, you were talking about Roy Williams, Greg Maddox, bro. Like, I mean, are you kidding me? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's amazing. Right. You know, Roy Williams, Larry Brown. Right. I mean, just some legends. Right. So I think it's actually very important that everyone know, not even just athletes, that you have to have those mentors in life. You have to have those people in life, because if you don't, you're you're going to it'll get stagnant. Like, right. Life kind of has this way of getting stagnant sometimes. And then you have to find a way to, like, overcome that 
that you know stagnant you know situation or whatever's going on for you to take that next step. And again, regardless of whether it's sports or your professional career and your life in general, mm -hmm. you know you have to know how to how to stand up. Essentially, is what it is, right? And you're right. I think a hard part for younger generation is they they tend to not want to listen to that because they I think what they do is they have a lot of you know they've got YouTube they've got TikTok they've got all these things that are actually technically teaching them things right mm -hmm. but is it teaching them correctly is it teaching them to be coachable is it teaching them to have the right um you know mentality have the right demeanor mm -hmm. to be able to be what they need to be right yep. um I always tell my kids everybody right be the best you you can be for yourself because if you're the best you, you can be for yourself, then you'll be plenty good for everyone else around you. Mm -hmm. All right. So, you know, you have to have those moments where you're telling yourself as well, like, no, I've got to be the best I can be for me mm -hmm. right now, because if I'm the best I can be for me and, and in a positive way, I'm going to be plenty for everyone else around me. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, you know, for both of you guys, I think it seems like, you know, um, I mean, look, you know, you had to literally battle the fact you didn't go to premier college, right? You know, you went to a community college, but you literally found a way. You didn't let that handle. Oh, I wasn't you. like, you know, listen to hit, like, I don't, what round were you drafted in? Oh, first round. First round. Yeah, yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I was a 25th rounder. Wow. Okay. And, <laughs> and like, I, I, I ended up being, you know, I earned my way to be a, the prospect. I was the number two prospect in the organization, but the way I always looked at it, I tell kids this all the time. There's. 25 kids on a on a high school roster from that to go on to college it drops down to about let's say eight that's a huge drop yeah huge drop. then you go from going on from college to get drafted it's now i'm going to use different terms here but they say it's two people technically the the real stat is one person mm. but i'm going to say two for the purpose of it so to two people get drafted now to go on and play the big leagues, this is where it's ridiculous. They say half a person. Well, there's no such thing. It's not like half a torso shows up to the big leagues, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> it's one person yeah. that makes it to the big leagues. But now you got that one person that made it to big leagues to stay there, mm -hmm. which is something that's crazy. Both of us have got to do. We got to be in the league for a long enough time. Sure. I don't know how pension works, but like we, we're full. We're set. Like yeah. 10 years in the big leagues, no matter what, it, it, big leagues, NFL, Absolutely. NBA, whatever you want, hockey, all that stuff. It's not an easy thing to do. Right. So Got it's a matter years. of not not only did you get there, you were the one person. How long did you stay there? Sure. You got to remember what people don't understand is in in baseball, there's probably close to I'll say I'm guessing, but 300 to 500 people in an organization. That's from rookie ball or Dominican League rookie ball, low A, high A, double A, triple A, short season, all that. All those guys are trying to get 26 spots on that major league roster. Yeah. And for me, like it's it's so funny. That's why I love when people try to tell me I suck at baseball and all that. <laughs> I didn't suck bad enough to stay in those 26 spots for 14 years. Sure. Exactly. So and clearly I did something right. You're battling age groups in baseball too. You're battling guys that are 19, eight them, they're full of piss and vinegar and like, you oh, know, doing, doing it you now. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, right? There's, I'm training right now. There's a kid, he's awesome. I, I know he's got a bright future ahead of him. His name's Brenner. He's, I think he's 19, maybe 20. And I'm competing against him in the weight room. Whatever we do, I challenge him because then it's, for me, it's rewarding because I know I can still keep up. Yeah. But two, it's even better is like I can sit here if I beat him like, hey, man, you're going to let this old man beat you? It <laughs> fires him up. And now I'm getting the best out of him. And that's what I want him to see. Like I'm learning a lot from him. Sure. 
I know the more I'm going to be around him, I'm going to learn a lot and continue to keep growing. He's helping me grow. He could pick on me all he wants. Like, I get it, the rookie hazing, all that stuff. Like, people <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. freak out about that. <laughs> but at the same time, you do it out of love. You don't do it out of hate. Well, That's you know, I, I want to say something. I was going to say this a minute ago, but 14-year, or, well, we talked about this in the car, right? 15-year, technically, yeah. right? Uh -huh. But 14-year career, 10 years a starter. 10 years. 10 years. A decade. I mean, Damn, I don't know if I did that. Right, different road, right? Starting well, pitcher, I, but, but know, I'm saying like he got. But still, that's a grind, bro. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I know. I mean, you know, if there's ever a, a testament to overcoming, there's no way you didn't have a bunch of shit you had to overcome right. in that ten years, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you had, uh, and how how many teams total was six or seven? Correct. Yeah, it's six. First, yeah, and I have six. Yeah, six. Right. So, and, and so, you're, I mean, you're different trainers. I mean, different uh, mentalities of owner, GMs. You're, you're dealing with literally many people, mm -hmm. many different mentalities, different cities, different mentalities, just even being in the different cities, and too, not, not if to, you think about it. And not to mention. Like New York ain't like Dallas. No, you know what no. I'm saying? Right. That's what so, I'm saying. <laughs> and like, not to mention all those teams, different coaches. Different systems. That's right. Different systems. That's right. So you go to one team, they may want you to shoot a lot of threes, get the ball up and down the court. You go to another team, now they want you to play a different way. And a lot of guys, I've seen a lot of guys, they can't do that. Sure. And a lot of guys get weeded out the league because they was with one team and they was like, man, they was up here. And they went to another team, a different system, and they can barely touch the floor. And they'd be like, man, well, what's the difference? The difference is system. A lot of guys can't play in different systems. A lot of guys is play system guys. They play great in a, a certain system, but they go somewhere else. Sure. They're mediocre, you know? Yeah. And that's just, you know, something that just playing at Carolina, playing a lot of basketball, loving the game, being a student of the game. I watch a lot of film. I watch a lot of film on other teams. Just being a student and understanding the game really helped me when I went to other teams and other systems to be able to thrive, to be able to figure out how do I stay on this court? How do I be effective? How do I still be me within this system? Sure. You know? And a lot of guys struggle with that because they're just not students of their craft. And you know what else is crazy, though, too, about for both of us mm -hmm. in this aspect? We both got, we'll say, 14, 13 years, however you want to put it. Mm -hmm. Out of all those teams, every one of them wanted us. That's the right. one thing that stands out that exactly. people don't understand, sure. too. People can say anything they want about us. They can say we suck. You can say whatever you want. Yeah. But there's a team out there every single year that wanted us, mm -hmm. that called us and said, hey, we want you on this team. What is it going to take? That's something that stands out. To show you, I'm going to speak more on him, shows his, his, what he brings to the table, to the locker room, to the staff, what he's doing to that organization shows how much of a great athlete, great uh, ball player he was on the court. Well, no, and it honestly speaks, to, speaks volumes of your ability to be amiable. And I think that's another thing, too. People in... in in their lives have to learn to be amiable. I think, um, and I think that's also something we can maybe all agree on that um, the generations that are coming up um, just kind of struggle with a little bit, right? Learning to be a little bit, uh, you gotta bend, you gotta move, right? Because like nothing, nothing in life is ever really the same, right? Life evolves, right? Mm -hmm. I always tell everybody life is complex, right? It's not binary, right? It's not, it's not, you know, whatever. It's a very complex, you know, thing that we, 
we have in this world, right? And What's so, funny is like, is I'm not trying to bring it back up, but it's like the quote I said at the very beginning: yeah. "Life is like a box of chocolates. You don't <laughs> yeah, know what you're. Is. You never know what you're going to get. It's funny. Yeah, I mean, no, but, it's but it's true. true. Yeah. yeah, but it's true. Hey, thank you for it. Yeah, but there you go. <laughs> I also want to say too is like the one thing that fires me up more than anything too that I wish we would get back to doing because we don't we we do this the wrong way and. We gotta stop giving out participation trophies. Sure. We gotta learn to fail. Like I, I get it. People, I know a lot of people probably ain't gonna like me saying it, but it's true. Like if you keep teaching everybody that they're the same as the first place, sure. Then we're not gonna go anywhere in life. It's 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 like appreciate that um, you participated. Appreciate that you you tried, right? Yeah, it was. Hey, but at the here. same time, we don't overly reward just trying because then that teaches people to do just enough instead of the more you literally have to do in life mm -hmm. because life is you know it's unrelenting it doesn't stop and it likes to beat the fuck out of you sometimes you know we all know that you know and the reality is is you got to learn to do a little bit more than just enough well you know? I mean, that's why like you know just to piggyback off what you just said you know you you don't want you, you need to fail you need and these kids need to feel that sure you know so as a coach when i when, when my kids cry or they get upset about a loss i love that sure yeah i want to see that because that's when you get that passion yeah that's, that's when they're you in get it. that desire yeah. it means something to them. Yeah. yeah and I, I hate to see them cry because it's like you know they like my kids like they like my baby so i don't want to see them cry but when I get in my car by myself, I love it because it's like they got their passion now. Now they they know how that feels to lose. They know how it feels. They know that hurt, and they don't want to feel that again. Right. So now they're going to give me everything they got. Now they're going to be that much more focused. So even when I do basketball camps, I do give out the participation certificate to everybody. Sure. To everybody. But I also give out trophies, all this to the best camper, the best scorer, the best um, jump shooter, the best. So these other kids that see that, oh, I just got this paper in my hand for a certificate. See, that's good. But then yeah. I got these other kids got trophies because one, they won this contest. One, this guy here was the best scorer at this camp. This guy here was the best shooter. This guy here won this at this camp. So you you let them see that. Okay, I appreciate you coming to my camp and you know supporting what I'm doing, but also. You got some work to do because these guys over here got trophies and a certificate. I know you walking out with a paper for these last three days that you've been at my camp. Yeah, it's an incentive to be something more than just participating, right? Go. Yeah. I, think about it. How, yeah, how can you how can you improve your craft if you think you're doing as good as somebody else? That's right. You failed. No, for sure. You may not. You we're playing one on one. I beat you, but I give you a trophy because we competed. That's who we played. You really gonna feel good about yourself? Like, no. You're gonna think, well, I, I should take that back. You're gonna look at it as, well, I don't need to improve. Right. I, I'm good yeah. where I'm at. Yeah. It's like you said from the beginning, I hit that that mark. I don't need to do anything else. And I will say, I've seen it and I know he's seen it too. Guys get to the, the league, they're there, they made it. That's all they needed. That's, that's their satisfaction. That's why you see a lot of guys just fade away, drop off because they, once they've made it, they don't put the work in to mm -hmm. stay. And I've got to see this from Pat Mahomes, where he trains. We were training together. Oh, wow, nice. And he literally, I joked around with him, like, just being funny. Like, man, that's awesome. You got paid the big bucks, baby. Where are we going to go? Let's go play some golf, whatever. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was asking about his training. He was like, well, I'm playing for the next one. And that was something that I always carried around, too. Sure. I was like, damn, I love hearing that. Somebody else is actually thinking. And I know there's a lot of athletes out there that think that way. Like, 
you played for this one. Okay, I got this one. Now I'm playing for that next one. There you go. It's right. not, you can't be satisfied with the one that you got. You got to push past and look for that next one. So one of the things that you guys were hitting on, and you've actually already talked about it, and I can't wait to have you explain a little bit about yours, is the current things that you're working on, the current projects that you're working on, right. the things that you're doing that are actually motivating that next generation to not be satisfied with the participation in the trophy, to actually want something more, to actually do that final push that they need in their life so they can actually have the same stories. So what are the current things that you're working on right now mm -hmm. that are contributing to that? Right now, in, I'm in the moment of training, Film Skills Academy, you can see it right there. Um, training kids and um, um, coaching as well, something that I really want to do, and I want to do it at the at the highest level. Um, and I'm going through that process, so I'm starting with kids and teaching them and work my way up. Um, but you know, and your and your team was ranked too, wasn't it? Yeah, I had a I had a That's number cool. I had a number one team in the country at, at one point. And then, um, you know, what don't you do that? You know, it's like, well, my biggest thing is if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it the right way. That's right. And I'm going to do it to the highest level. So, and I don't do it and I, I, and I don't coach to be the number one team in the country. Sure. I'm not coaching for that. I'm coaching to make every single kid that comes through my program the best they can be to well, help them. And we talked about know. that in the truck too, right? Even, right? You You're know like, listen, I'm trying to help these kids. Right. I'm not trying to make money off of them and mm -hmm. I'm trying to do any of that. I'm no. literally trying to help excel their lives. No question. My bills are going to get paid no matter what. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like coaching AAU basketball do not pay my bills. So um, I think the biggest thing is just really just, you know, giving it to these kids instead of using them. Like it's a lot of coaches and it's a lot of AAU programs out here that are using kids, but they're not giving the kids their satisfaction, which is, I want to teach you. I want to really show you how to play this game of basketball. I want you to, to, to thrive at this. If you love this game, I'm the coach for you. I'm the training for you because I'm going to help you. I'm going to work you because I know the level of work you need. It ain't going to be, it ain't going to be easy. And I tell every kid that comes into my training, that comes into my practices, this ain't going to be nothing easy. You're going to leave out of here. I want you to really understand that, okay, I love this game. Or you're going to walk out of like, man, it ain't worth all of this. Then this ain't the place for you. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and, and just to go back from that, losing basketball was took a hit for me for about a year, a year and a half. So I went through a mental health moment where I was depressed. I didn't have basketball. The ball wasn't bouncing no more. What am I going to do next? Oh, my goodness. I thought life was over, sure. you know, and well, and, and, and not to interrupt, but mm -hmm. you even had made a comment one time, you know, obviously uh, we were even talking personally, but you know, you had said that, uh, you know, not many people even kind of told you what to expect after, after life in basketball, right? Not many people even showed you much about business, about any of these things that could kind of give you that, you know, something else to sink your teeth in and do. So you literally created it for yourself. Right. Well, I, and I can't, I can't say that I didn't get those meetings. Sure. I can't say I didn't get those conversations <laughs> with some of my OGs. Yeah. I was just a young kid who was trying to have fun, yeah. live life. And I was all about basketball. That's all I cared about. I was all about that sport. I've lost relationships. You know what I'm saying? I've lost friendships. Sure. I've lost, you know, 
all kind of things in life because I was all about basketball. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So for me to be back into it again, you know, and I hope it don't cause problems in my household now. <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, you know, you know, what my 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 life my lady understands that I'm I'm passionate about we it. I love you, Chris. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Passionate about it. I love it. And then at the same time, you know, she know that I'm gonna do what I best I can to help the next generation. So going through those moments where I didn't have basketball, man, and I trying to figure out what can I do to 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 keep that love? What can I do to keep that energy? And just it just hit me one day coaching. It hit me one day just going outside and I drove by a park and seeing some kids out there and I just went out there and I started working with them. And I was like, man, this is this is it. This is what I want to do. I want to train kids. I want to coach kids. And it gave me that that Ah, let's just that fire, that desire that we have, you know, when you're pitching, that desire I have when I'm dribbling the basketball up the court. It gave me that same desire, that same fight once again when I was coaching. Sure. So I was like, man, this is it. This is this is this is what I want to do life after basketball. This is what's next for me. Could we see you in the NBA coaching ever? <sighs> you could, but for me, college is that is that highest point for me? Sure, college is the highest point because I feel like I can still teach. Sure, at that level, when you go into NBA now, you know it's hard to tell somebody who's making three hundred million dollars what to do. Coach Prime was said that recently, right? <laughs> it's hard. You to know, tell he's somebody. like they asked Coach Prime, right? Do you mm -hmm. want to NFL, right? Be coaching the NFL, and he's like, well, listen, I I can work with these boys better than I can. You know. I'm trying to work with a guy making, you know, more money than me. You know what I mean? Like, is he going to really listen to me? You know, exactly. so, exactly. you know, so you, you see yourself actually potentially taking that collegiate step um, from where you're at. Would you go high school first or would you go straight college? Well, I'm, I'm actually, you know, just to give some more information, I'm actually you know, coaching at a, a prep school right now. Sure. So I'm actually with high school kids okay. every day and I'm working with them. It's, um, it's called Pace Academy. It's based out of McKinney, Texas. And, um, you know, it's something that, you know, is small right now. Sure. And, you know, see if it grows into something bigger. But like I said, it's just another opportunity to work with a group of kids and give them the knowledge that I have each and every day and try to make them better and try to help them achieve a goal that I once had. That's amazing. I mean, I think, you know, um, it's always interesting to hear about how these athletes do these transitions in life, right? And you have, it's honestly, you, almost ha you, you guys almost have more transitions than like a regular person technically does because you're constantly having to evolve, right? Yeah. You have the spotlight on you. You have people wanting things from you. You have, and, and not even just like, you know, random people, you got family members and everything like that, right? So you have all these things that you're trying to deal with. You know what I mean? And while still trying, you're still being human, right? Still being like, okay, yeah, I have my own wants and desires. I have these own things that I'm trying to do in my life, not only to better myself, but those around me, you know? And it's, it's interesting to see, you know, that, you know, you have literally turned that passion into something that could stay your your career forever, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're almost the definition of purity of mission, right? One of my uh, mentors and uh, one of my lawyers, he always tells me, you know, got to have purity of mission in life, right? Like if you have a mission, you know, make sure you, you know, stop at nothing to make it happen, right? Never give up regardless of what happens, you know? And, uh, you know, obviously you've definitely been a testament to that. Uh, I think the same thing for you, right? I mean, obviously, you know, everything you've said to this point, 
you know, has kind of led to where you're at right now. I think if I remember correctly, you're, you're, you're hoping to continue to keep playing Major League Baseball, but in the interim, you have decided to do something, you know, I, and I, I want to promote for it heavily here. Both my parents died of cancer and stuff like that. So I'll, I'll let you talk about it, but you know, what are you working on right now? And, and kind of explain to everybody, you know, what your mission is post-career. Uh, for me right now, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm rehabbing my elbow. I had Tommy John surgery. Sure. So just going through that, I am pretty much on the verge of retirement. I don't like to say that, uh, <laughs> just cause it's like you, I've dealt with partial of what he said. Like I, you know, I wasn't getting picked up, which I knew, you know, this is when you don't really perform though, you're also not going to get the opportunity. Sure. So I knew that going in that this might be tough. Uh, I did a showcase with one of my good friends, Cole Hamels did that. He was coming back from a, an injury as well lit up the radar, did everything good. It was good, um, but didn't get picked up. So I went and played indie ball, independent ball, had a blast. Um, nice. It was kind of like I was player coach. I got to help these kids that are down there. They don't get all kinds of stuff there. So it was cool to be able to help them um, and, and kind of mentor those guys because we all have the same goal. It's to sure. get back to the big leagues or get to the big leagues. Some of those guys hadn't even had that opportunity. So it's like a place to kind of encourage and get those guys out there. Um, but with that, you know, I'm a part of me wants to possibly go play in Japan for a year uh, after this, you know, after my rehab. Can I come set. with you? <laughs> I'm come out there. It, it's beautiful over there. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've been there once. Um, but yeah, I, I want to definitely do that. I just don't know what, you know, what is ahead for me. I, I have sure. to step by step, see what goes on. I'm going through the rehab process. It really comes down to how do I feel when I start throwing? And that's not until December. So once I start throwing, I'll be able to know, all right, we're, we're done or okay, let's, let's give it a whirl and see how the bullpens go. And then you go from there. The other thing I'm trying to do is, you know, I want to get into coaching like he is too. You know, I want to get out there and help our youth. I want them to get to the next stage. Would you have your own travel ball team? I don't think I could do that. That's because it, this is what makes me mad about travel ball and it's not towards Preach, anybody, please. but I try to encourage kids to play as many sports as you possibly can. Yeah. Uh, because one, it's just like our situation. You don't know what you truly are good at. You might be better at football than you are baseball, or, you know, in his case, basketball was his. And it, it even worked out for him because of he missed a game due to basketball. The thing kind of upsets me the most about some of these coaches, I know he's not that way, uh, <laughs> is, oh, you got to come to my sport. You got to be here for me. Like, no, that's not it. Like, I'm sorry, if I have kids, if they're out there, hey, guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It'd be funny with that. Uh, but like, it, you know, if, if I have my kids, I want them playing as many sports as they can. And mm -hmm. when that time is summertime is baseball, then we'll work into football. Then we'll go to basketball, like do it that way. I don't want to be forced to where my kids got to go play. You know, they're trying to tell me my kids got to go play basketball in the summer. No, that's baseball time. Sure. You'll get basketball. The thing is each sport that you play helps you play every sport. The hand-eye coordination in basketball is going to help the hand-eye coordination in baseball. The, you know, throwing the baseball is going to help with football. The way you're, I don't know, the cuts and stuff in basketball are going to help with the cuts in football. Everything goes together. and People don't realize that. So I always encourage kids, play as many sports as you can. Because here's the other thing, too, is once high school's done, you can't play no more. You don't get the true competitive feeling. You're going to play beer league stuff. Sure. So it's not the same. Now, granted, you know, if me and him went and played beer league softball or basketball or whatever, you better believe we're going to have the competitive edge but it's still not the same. Like we're not going to walk out of there 
being ranked in the in the nation yeah. in in beer league <laughs> beer basketball, basketball. Yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just want to be able to to get back into coaching, helping. Now this is where it's different for me. I feel like in baseball, I guess after hearing him say it too, is the guys in baseball are not afraid to try new things. It doesn't matter how much money you make. Now, yeah, there's going to be some assholes that maybe they do get paid a lot, and they're going to be like, "Well, I'm not going to listen to you." But then at the same time, you know, I was getting money. I had Greg Maddox as a mentor helping me out. I had Darren Oliver helping me out. Eddie Gordado, all these guys helping me. They made their money. I was making mine, but I didn't disrespect them like that. I I learned so much from those guys. Now, is everything going to work? Probably not, but there's still something that I'm going to get from it. So I think in, in the baseball aspect of it, like it's easier to get guys to try new things, I feel like, at the major league level. Yeah. Now, will it happen? I have no idea. You know, I, I want that opportunity to get there. I know I'm going to have to go down the road just like I did to get to the big leagues. If I have to go to the minor leagues and all that stuff, I'm fine with that. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. And he's doing it the right way too. He's starting at the lower levels and he's going to work his way up. And I guarantee you, he may say here right now, like, I don't want to go higher than college, but trust me, when that green stuff starts flashing in front of his face, <laughs> like, he's uh, going. You know, because like, he knows that the thing is, at the end of the day, he will be very well respected up there. Sure. Because of his track record, the time, the knowledge, everything that he can bring to the table. I mean, you look at other guys that are up there now. For instance, I'm going to use the Mavs because I'm a Mavs fan. He played for the Mavs too. Jason Kidd is a manager or coach, sorry. I'm so used to. Manager, bro. Manager, we don't yeah. ever say coach. Yeah, yeah. We, it's man, it's a pet peeve. You don't ever say that. <laughs> but that's like he's there. He's passing knowledge on to the young guys that are there. He's passing knowledge to the guys that have been there, that's been in the league. Everybody learns. It's just a matter of how the athlete wants to take it. And if they want to choose to be the big guy, cool, go ahead. But yeah, that's where I want outside to do that. of that, you are working on um, a program to help with pediatric cancer. Yeah, um, I'll and, go and ahead I want, and dive I, I, into I want, it. Yeah, because like I want you to explain a little bit about that. Yeah, so I, I first off, I have my sixty feet six event. That's what it's called, a sixty feet six for the distance of the mound. Being a pitcher, I felt like that was something that I can incorporate into the charity. Um, it's basically, it's it's changed, but it was at first it was basically pediatric cancer, but it's become just cancer for kids in general instead of like the younger younger kids. Uh, so it's anybody that I can actually get in touch with. Uh, one of the things that helped me, um, or I learned from, I should say, is Michael Young and Ian Kinsler were two of the biggest role models when it came to off the field stuff with charities. And I got to learn a lot from those guys in doing that. And then obviously with the Rangers, we would go and see the kids in the hospital. And I would always, my personality is what helps a lot of these kids is I'm a, I'm a goofball, man. I want to have fun. I want to put smiles on people's faces. And I would go into the children's hospital um, here. I think it's Cook's. Um, they have the Seacrest studio. It's a radio booth that contacts all the kids. I would go in there and I would do Kermit the Frog and uh, Mickey Mouse. They're just doing voices just sure. to take these kids away from it. And it was so cool because I would do it and you could see all the phone lines lighting up. They want to talk to you. can't see me. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not like yeah. how it is now where you see me on the camera. No, you didn't. It was a, I think they would put up Kermit or something like that and I would do it. And Bro, it was just, it's a cool feeling. And one of the things that stood out to me too, before I tell like how the foundation started was I took my brother with me one time because he was like, man, I want to do this. I love what you're doing. I want to be a part of it. And we got to one of the, uh, the floors where it's, it's not a, it's, things aren't good. Mm -hmm. I'll just put it that way. And I said, I'm going to tell you this right now. We're going to walk in here. You got to hold it together. What you're about to see is not normal. Yeah. You need to hold it together watch me do just if you want interact with me but if you start to feel anything 
please get out. Don't stay in there. Kids do not need to see you doing this. So I walk in, I'm being me all energetic. Hey, how you doing? Let's go, buddy. We're going to have fun. And my brother, he got like three steps in and lost it. Lost it. Couldn't do it. And so from then on, I was like, all right, I got to do this. And I want to get, I want to be able to help kids. Sure. And I know that uh, with my personality, the things I do, I have two legit Batman suits. I'm a huge Batman fan. Nice. I'll dress up for the kids in that and do it. And so like one of the kids uh, came up to me one day when I was dressed up as Batman. And I mean, I'm diehard Batman. Like I love, I'm big into it. So I'm dressed up in the suit, everything. I'm saying hi to all the kids at the hospital. He comes up and tugs on my cape. And I, I like look down at him, you know, I try to keep the deep voice like Batman. I was like, well, what, what do you need, buddy? What's going on? And then he was like, I just want you to know something. I was like, yeah. He goes, I know who you are and your secret stays with me, Bruce. And as soon as he <laughs> said that, I, I was like, oh my God. And I was like trying everything I could not to not cry. To cry. It's like, yeah. Yeah, this sure. little kid just called me what I want to be. Like yeah. I want to be Batman. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that happened. And then to get everything started with my foundation, uh, Ben and Skin from the ESPN at the time is where they were. Sure. They're not with them anymore. They're, they're their own thing. Uh, ben and Skin introduced me to a kid that he wanted to meet a DFW athlete. And it was between like Dirk and Romo and I forget who else it was. It might've been Michael Young, somebody else. I wasn't the guy. But Ben and, and Skin were both like, hey, no, I promise you, you got to meet Derek. You're going to love this guy. He's awesome. He knew who I was and everything, but you want the bigger guy. Like, I'm not going to lie. It's okay. Like, sure. it didn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> so I get in there and I meet him and everything and start talking to him and hit it off right away. Got the, the relationship going. And uh, he was about to start his, his round of chemo. And uh, he goes in and we're talking. And one of the hardest things I had to witness was he would go and, and play nine holes of golf or sorry, go do chemo, do nine holes of golf, and then come over to my house and hang out. And just seeing a kid with tubes, like hanging out, it's like, like we're, we're at my house, but like he still has the tubes dangling so that he can just go plug in when he gets there. Jeez. Like it sucks. And so we're doing all that. We're having fun. I'm keeping him going. And then he goes to the stage to where he's in a, basically a glass room. So imagine like the window. I can't interact with him. The only, I don't even know if his parents could truly go in there. Like it's just doctors at sure. that point. So we're playing PlayStation all the time, which actually was basketball is what we played. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, well, I got to figure a way I can connect with this kid. So I got him a PlayStation so that we could keep playing. And I, it was so hard to sit there and be able to like say hi to the kid through glass. Like that sucked. That's, it's not something you should do. And seeing his mom like struggling to, to do all that was, it was hard. So we get going, everything's rolling along. Uh, it's going well. And then, uh, I want to say, yeah, it was okay. So yeah, right before, um, I ended up getting hurt and having knee surgery, I got a phone call from his mom saying he wasn't going to make it. And, uh, dude, it was so hard. They called me, <clears throat> sorry, man, yeah. but they, uh, <clears throat> they called me, had me come in. So I go see him at the hospital. And, uh, one of the things he wanted was a LeBron James signed Jersey. I, thanks to Dirk, uh, he helped me get that done. I, I tried to meet with LeBron. We had mishap, no big deal. I take it in there. And at this time, uh, we were told that he's not breathing. He's, or I mean, sorry, he was breathing. He's on uh, the, the, uh, ventilators support. and, um, he's, he's not moving. He's not responding or any of that stuff. And to me, this is where I got to truly feel what God's all about. Like, I, I know we don't talk about 
religion and stuff like, but this is it. This is the one time I'm going to do it. And this is where I realized how real God is. Walked in, laid the jersey on top of him. And I remember sitting there <clears throat> looking at him. And man, uh, we sat there and Ben Rogers came in with me. And uh, Ben was like, let's pray with him. And I said, all right, let's do it. Grabbed his hand, I'm holding his hand. And I feel him squeeze my hand as we're praying. So I immediately open my eyes and look, I want to see what, what's happening. And I could see him looking right at me. And I knew right there, God's with this kid right now. He's, he's walking with you. He's going to help you get through it. And uh, said the prayer, we walk out and I talked to his mom. I said, I, Deanna, I want to let you know, God's with your son right now. He ain't leaving. He's going to get through this. And I, I left and, uh, after leaving, you know, I'm thinking about that whole ride. Like, I can't believe I just witnessed that. I can't believe how real that was. And uh, next day I get a phone call. You were right. He's, he's good. He's, he's coming to, he's, he's functioning, he's responding. And uh, I was like, holy cow, this is amazing. This is awesome. Wow. I am getting hurt. I'm going through my knee surgery. And uh, I see him and I said, well, look, we're going to rehab together. You do your thing. I'm going to do mine. We'll get back to this together. And uh, I remember going through all my rehab process. We're, we're texting with each other, having a blast, playing games, all that. And uh, finally it gets closer to, I'm getting ready to come back. I'm going to join the team. I did my rehab assignment. I'm getting ready to join the Rangers. I get a phone call from him. He's so excited. You know, I can't wait. You're going to go pitch. I can't wait to watch. And I'm pumped. I'm like, man, this is cool. And uh, I told him, I said, hey, I please watch this game. I want you to watch. This is for you. I got something for you. I went out, huge thanks to, it was Fox Sports at the time, yeah. for what they did, the Texas Rangers, what they did. Uh, I wrote his name on my hat. I wrote his name on my cleats. And usually in MLB, you're not allowed to do that kind of stuff. It's, it's frowned upon. Not, not saying, like, you can't write a kid's name. It's like, boo, MLB. No, 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 no. Like, no. It's the, like, you know? they, they want, like, the, the stuff needs to stay how sure, it is. Sure, okay. Sure. Kind of thing. Like, it's just a jersey thing. Sure. You can't do that. And uh, so I wrote his name on the mound, did everything. They gave him a huge shout out. I, I threw a gym. I ended up throwing, I think, seven or eight innings, shutout ball, awesome against Kansas City. Come back in. This was the coolest moment, too, is, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to do my interview. Wash comes in, has the game ball. And he's like, you know, we don't always do this, whatever. Gave a nice little speech to the guys. And he's like, but this one, this one means a lot, not only to this team, but for one player, gave me the love, everything. Like, Wash is my dad. Like, we we talk. He's, I want to get him to come here, but he he's uh, – <laughs> He's the man. So he gives me the game ball. The guys go nuts. They all know what it was for. Everybody literally came up and was like, hey, nice job. Briggs is going to be proud. And I was just on cloud nine. Like, I loved it. So I ended up coming back. I give him all my stuff. I said, this is for you. MLB got it all certified for me. So that way it's, oh, wow. it's all like, it's authenticated. Like, it's theirs. They know. And, uh, you know, keep going. Yeah. And at the end of the month, uh, I'm pitching against Oakland. And uh, threw a fairly well game again. And... As I'm walking out, uh, John Daniels was standing in my locker with Blake Miller, who was uh, part of our MLB security. And uh, they were telling me that they had heard from uh, Deanna and they were telling me that uh, he wasn't going to make it. And they were going to help me to get to the hospital to go see him. And I just, I, I couldn't do it. I I didn't have it in me to, to do that. And obviously the I'm so grateful for what the Rangers were going to do to help me to get there. 
because obviously, you know, game's going on, it's about to be over. I'm going to get stuck in traffic. I wouldn't make it. Sure. So they were helping me out and I'll, I'll never forget that, which was unbelievable. But I just, one of the hardest things I've ever done was I didn't get to be there to say goodbye to him. And it was such a hard thing. So I've continued to live out his legacy. And one of the things that he would always tell me, because I got criticized for my personality. Sure. I always got criticized because of how goofy I was. They, this is they you would, took it seriously, yeah, right? They, yeah. They would always come up with something. If I had a bad game, it's because I did a radio interview or something sure. stupid or I was doing voices. Like it, it made no sense. And yeah. the thing he always told me was always be who you are. Be true to yourself and be you. Don't try to be something that you're not. And the other thing he would always say is, don't ever compare yourself to somebody else. Compare yourself to what you were the day before. And I've always loved that because it's one. true. That's you a good should one. never worry. Don't try to be, I'm not going to try to be him. He's not going to try to be me. Sure. I'm going to be better than what I was the day before. And it always stuck out to me. It's something that I've loved. And so I've continued to carry his legacy out and try to help as many kids as I, I can. And I do want to give love to Adriana, which is an, another little girl that I was close with. She had a stomach uh some kind of stomach virus or stomach cancer. Um, and she had passed away uh, as well. She lost her battles. But the thing that was so crazy is this little girl was nine years old, I think eight, eight or nine years old, bro. She was unbelievable with this iPad. She would be sending me like videos of her videos of like making like things that you don't think a kid should be doing. And yeah. one thing I, I, I really love too, is I would take her, I took her to Legoland a couple of times and Bro, I've never seen a kid who's going through so much sure. just light up like no other. And man, we I told her, I was like, I get it. Like, cool, I have money, whatever. But I said, I don't care. You want something, you go pick it out. We're going to get it. Bro, she got so many Legos. And I'm not kidding. I remember getting a text message that night. She built this. I don't know what it was like. I'm making this up, but like a 5,000 piece Lego set oh done God, in a night, what? bro. Like it was, it was a big, I mean, huge box went through it. Everything just dude, they had all of her Legos out when I went to their house after she had passed and bro, she had so much stuff built. Like it was unbelievable. She was the sweetest little girl. She put, she would put everybody else first before her, even though she's going through everything, never complain, never would say, you know, I, I don't feel good or I don't feel right. No, none of that. She, put it all on the line and did everything, put everybody in front of her. And then to top it off too, I do want to share this as well, which he'll be at my event. Um, his name's Jacob. Um, he came to last year's event, which, or was it, uh, sorry, two years ago um, when during COVID, well, Adriana couldn't come to the event because they wanted to test for COVID. Well, she's getting tested all the time. Like, she don't need that. She's got stuff going through her too. Sure. But we don't need to do that. Yeah, to it's her. like unnecessary. And the thing is the I'm not going to put them on blast, but they wouldn't change the rule for that for yeah. her. And I was like, we're not, I'm not putting a little girl through that. Like she's got enough stuff. Chase Rice was with me performing, which was awesome. He was super cool to work with, understood the whole assignment. And so we went up there. So we ended up getting on FaceTime with her, had everybody cheering for her, like just lit her up, like let her know, like, Hey, this is your support. It's not just you, like, this is your support. And Children's Cancer Fund brought out some kids, which I always love that they do that. They do it every time I have an event, they bring kids out for me so I can get to meet them and encourage them and, and help them. And one of them was this kid, Jacob. And uh, he was just starting his battle with cancer. So he came up on stage, never been to a concert in his entire life. This is his first time. It's wow. Chase Rice. And uh, he starts telling everything about his story. And bro, I am not kidding you. When he told his story, you were ready to go through any wall for this kid. It was unreal. Like the coolest thing I've ever seen a kid do. And he, I mean, he was 
in it to win it. And sure enough, he did. He, he beat cancer. Nice. Um, but I will say, I forgot, I, I forgot to mention the cool part too. It's, uh, they're both cool. Um, <laughs> he got to introduce Chase Rice. Oh, for his wow. first concert he's ever been to. So he introduced him. And then I kept him and his family on stage so they could be there and watch the whole concert that Chase did. And dude, it was awesome. Had his cowboy hat on and everything. He was ready to rock and roll. <laughs> but the next year, which was last year, uh, is when he made his announcement that he had beat cancer. Wow. So I had uh, Briggs's family up there, Adriana's family up there. And then I had Jacob up there because he was the kid that I was trying to work with. And found out that he had beat cancer. So I contacted Children Cancer Fund and said, hey, if, if this is okay, can we bring the bell to the, uh, to the concert and let him, I want him to ring it in front of everybody. I want him to get the ovation he deserves. Sure. And the hospital said, yeah, of course, let's do that. So surprised him with the bell and we had about 1500 people there. And bro, you talk about an unbelievable feeling. I've never felt anything like it is he got the mic. I said, I want you to make the announcement. And I didn't tell him about the bell. They started creeping it in without him seeing it. And he got in it and just like any other kid, I beat cancer. And he got all into it going yes. nuts. And then all of a sudden I was like, but I got one more thing for you. I want you to ring that bell and I want you to watch. I want you to watch that audience and see how that feels. And he rang that bell a few times. And when he turned, everybody went nuts. Like the best way I can describe it is it felt like we just won the World Series. Yeah. You won the NBA Finals. Like, yeah. bro, it was unreal. Ever. And he was on cloud nine and. And now I've, I've got a new little girl that I'm working with, Ariana. Uh, she'll be at my event. Uh, yeah, like plug the November, event. So. November 2nd uh, at the Lava Cantina in the Colony. Uh, I'll have Stoney LaRue playing. My buddy Bryce Hensley is going to be playing. Um, it's, I mean, there's going to be all kinds of stuff going on there with charity event, or I mean, uh, live auctions, auction items, everything. And then obviously we'll have kids there that you get to meet and you can talk to, show the love to them. It's all about raising money and awareness because that's it's bigger than what we do. Sure. No matter what I do for the rest of my life, there will be nothing that's bigger than helping these kids in my mind. That makes sense. I mean, again, as we have been talking this entire time, you know, um, I think learning um, ourselves how to not only motivate ourselves, but everyone around us to be the best that they can be, you know, um, being there for people that otherwise can't really be there. You know what I mean? For You know what I mean? Like there's, there's these people in life, like these kids that have no one, right? And, uh, you know, but maybe some of their family members. Right. But in the end, they they need that something extra to to motivate them to literally keep living, you know, literally That's what it's all about. Living. Yeah. I want the kids to understand it's not just your friends. It's not just your family. It's all of us. We're sure. all in this battle with you. Sure. We're here to fight for you. We're yes. a family, That's right? That's what I try to do. Like, My, the motto, or the motto, the motto. <laughs> the I motto? Know, <laughs> I don't know where I got that. It's literally, it says on all the shirts that we have, it says change the game because that's what we're trying to do. That's, that's excellent. That's excellent. Well, you know, I think uh, on the next episode, we'll, we'll get us some you know, time. I think we're, we're about to hit it here, but let's just do one quick plug though for the Texas Rangers. Man. Oh no, I'm about to the, the AL. Okay. Okay. You I'm go about ahead. To. You go Number ahead. one, Dallas fans stop booing Altuve. Okay. My personal opinion is every time you boo him, he, is all right. he, he gets, you amp him up, you amp up the entire team. I think the reason why they play so well 
on the road. The hatred. Because everybody hates them and they use that as fuel. So Texas Ranger fans, stop hating the Astros. They've done what they've done. Love them. No, no, and no. And I promise no, you they'll... Don't, just don't cheer. Just don't cheer. That's them. All yes, there you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> don't, don't, you can you, don't boo, but don't cheer either. We don't need to give them any encouragement <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. like, hey, we're so happy. Good job. No, we don't need any of that. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I, 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 that's been one of my biggest gripes. I see the... I see the hate that they get, right? And I'm like, it's pretty obvious why they play so well on the road because they they have so much hate. And then, you know, they go back, you know, to Houston. And obviously this year they didn't play very well in Houston, right? I mean, which is very weird, yeah. But I think one of the biggest reasons for that is just uh, karma because their fans are deplorable. Stop attacking Emily Jones, please. That was not <laughs> cool. I don't know if y'all know anything about that. I know a little bit. But they attacked Emily Jones unnecessarily. She's from, I don't, you know her personally. I don't know her, but she seems like a great person. She seems like a great person, you know, stop doing that. So um, I think that's about it. I mean, uh, we're, I'm getting the the wrap up signal here. So this is (laughs) the uh, first episode of the throwbacks. Got any final words from Mr. Uh, Felton? Hey man, stay tuned in. There's plenty more to come. That's right. It's a lot of more fun to come. My two partners right here, man. Hey, tune in. We got a great show for you. Much love, everyone. Be real. And let's go. Tell a friend. (laughs) Tell all your friends. Tell all your friends. (laughs) Peace. Peace.